Hello, and welcome to episode 99 of the Sugar Mamas podcast. Today, my guest is Lori Schlosser from the podcast Blessed in This Mess. Blessed in This Mess is a podcast designed for caregivers. You guys are absolutely going to love Lori. She and I are going to talk today about how caregivers of type 1 diabetics can practice self-care, which I know is something we all need really on a daily basis, but definitely from time to time. I can't wait for you guys to hear the practical and realistic tips and tricks that Lori offers to caregivers of T1Ds to help keep our sanity while loving our people well. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes. I will leave links to where you can find Lori and her podcast. You're definitely going to want to take a listen. All right, without further ado, let's get started. You're listening to the Sugar Mamas Podcast, a show designed for moms and caregivers of type 1 diabetics. Here you'll find a community of like-minded people who are striving daily to keep their kids safe, happy, and healthy in the ever-changing world of type 1. I'm your host and fellow T1D mom, Katie Roseborough. Enjoy! Before we get started, I need you to know that nothing you hear on the Sugar Mamas podcast should be considered medical advice. Please be safe, be smart, and always consult your physician before making changes to the way you manage type 1 diabetes. Thanks. Hello, friends. I am back today with an awesome guest. I'm really excited to chat with her. I'm a big fan of her work, and her name is Lori. But Lori, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, tell the listeners who you are, and what is your connection to type 1 diabetes? Absolutely. Well, Katie, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It is just an honor to be here. I love your work. And I think, <laughs> as I told you previously, I think you are absolutely killing it, offering a lot of encouragement and support to moms in the type one world. Well, I am Lori Schlosser. I am a wife, a mom, a partner in small business with my husband. He is a dentist. We have two sons. Our older son is 28 and an attorney. Our younger son is 24 and a digital creative. And our younger son, Noah, is our son living with type one. I have a background in communication and in management, and I have worked all over, Katie. I, I'm getting old. I have worked in public safety. I've worked in higher ed. I've worked in healthcare. I've done a tremendous amount of work in leadership in ministry, in the Christian faith. I grew up in a family that was living with type 2. My dad was diagnosed with type 2 when he was only 44, and he lived about 20 years with type 2, had all the complications out there. And uh, I watched my mom serve as his caregiver and kind of saw how that affected her. She was also caring for her mom who was dealing with dementia. It was just a very stressful situation. Yeah. And so when I left my home, I decided that I was going to keep my weight down. I was going to eat right. And I was never going to deal with diabetes again. And uh, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, God was listening. And he said, Lori, there's a lesson in here about control. And I'd like you to have it. And, uh, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Our son is 24 now, and I am lovingly referred to as his wingman. And that <laughs> is a, a phrase we came up with when he was about 16, mm -hmm. when life changed and I became, you know, kind of like he's more, much more independent and he just kind of needs a support person in the background when he needs it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is that when he was diagnosed? Was he diagnosed no. at 16? Oh, oh, no, he was diagnosed at eight. Oh, he wow. was diagnosed at eight and, and we were just doing a routine physical, but I had questions. This is summertime and I had questions because he was going to the bathroom, but he was on swim team and I thought he was drinking all the chlorinated water and going to the bath. Okay. And sometimes more stomach upset and I just couldn't figure that out. And his second grade teacher had told me, you know, Lori, there are times when it's almost like after lunch when it's almost like he's not in there. He's a super good student, but he's like foggy or fuzzy. Mm -hmm. or, and once he was diagnosed, all those things were like, wow, that's what was going on. So it, we, went, we had one of those scenarios where you go from the doctor's office at 2.30 in the afternoon and you, they take blood work and you go home and we had family visiting. And we were eating spaghetti and meatballs. And I get the call, you need to go straight to pediatric intensive care. Mm -hmm. And we spent one night there. And, you know, you 
shoot the orange with whatever <laughs> they send you home and, and your life is entirely different. Mm. And so that happened to Noah at eight. And so we've lived through elementary school with type one, middle school, high school. He's a high achieving student, extremely musical, you know, captain of the drum line. He's a percussionist. For a while, he was a DJ in high school. And we've done college away, undergrad college away, and, and a master's program away. Mm-hmm. And he is a digital creative. And he's actually my greatest support person for my podcast, which is Blessed in This Mess. I mm-hmm. wanted to, uh, I thought I was going to write and blog, but he's like, no, mom, you need, you need to do a podcast and I'm going to set you up. So I, th- yeah. I thank Noah for my boom microphone and my website and everything that puts me out there on social media. Wow. I love it. You have your own personal manager right there at your beck and call. You're like, listen, you owe me for all those years of T1D management. (laughs) This is what we call payback for all that food equity, you know, all those things that we counted together. And he's not in the same city I am. He's about an hour and a half away. But by virtue of the fact that everything's electronic, you know, he taught me how to record. I send things to him and he mixes and masters and wrote my music and it's wow. just, he's just tremendously supportive. So that's been so wonderful. That's, that's, that is wonderful. Would you tell listeners a little bit more about your podcast, Blessed in This Mess? Because I've been listening. I, I love podcasts and I'm all, I, I can fly through podcasts very, very quickly because I speed them up. I don't know how you listen to podcasts or, or even if you listen to many podcasts, but I, I have do. to. I have to speed mine up and it's like I can't even handle listening to people talk. Like the conversation we're having right now is obviously at normal speed and that's fine. But for some reason, when I'm listening to audio content, I have to speed it up because otherwise it just sounds like people talk so slow. Even myself, when I go back and listen to my own podcast, I'm like, oh gosh, this is awful. I'm talking so slowly. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Our older son is listens to many podcasts, everything at double speed. When mm-hmm. he comes to visit, I can always tell because I can hear from his bedroom. But all right. Well, anyway, Blessed in This Mess is is designed to encourage and support family caregivers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by virtue of the little that I've told you about my story, you know that Noah is a person for which I, Noah is a person I care for. Mm-hmm. And I define a family caregiver as a person who is supporting a loved one through chronic illness extended sickness, or disability. Mm-hmm. So any of those th- three things makes you a family caregiver. So if if moms in the type one world didn't realize it, they are family caregivers. And mm-hmm. in the United States, one, of, one out of every five adults is a family caregiver. Mm-hmm. A percentage of those care for children. I also happen to have in my life story, care for my mom. So mm-hmm. I learned so many things about being a caregiver beginning in 2006, well, I learned from her to begin with. And she was my support person. She was my good listener. Mm -hmm. And she was great. Health was great after my dad passed. He He died early. He died 20 years after his diagnosis. And I saw all the complications of type two, which are very much the complications of uncontrolled type one. And I watched mom through all of that. And then I became mom's caregiver when Noah was in high school. She Mm -hmm. suffered a stroke and then she suffered multiple strokes and then Mm -hmm. eventually vascular dementia. So I saw that all the things that became so important for my own self-care and my life as a family caregiver for Noah also were so important in senior care. Mm Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as I talk to moms with kids with autism or kids with Downs or mm-hmm. spouses with traumatic brain injuries, I discovered, gee, all these family caregivers, super stressed out, have so much on their plate, feel very isolated and exhausted. Mm-hmm. And most people don't speak their language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. That- I, I relate to a lot of what you say on your podcast. And I'll be honest, I don't think I really considered myself a caregiver. Not that people were suggesting it and I was pushing that away, but I just never really dawned on me that like, oh, I, I am a caregiver. I, I mean, I kind of yeah. just thought of myself as a parent, you know, who yeah. has a child that we have to manage this this chronic illness. But I never really assigned the word caregiver to myself until I started listening to your podcast cast. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I am a caregiver. Honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a parent in and of itself doesn't necessarily fall under the category of caregiver unless they're caring for a child with 
you know, like, like you already defined with an illness and whatnot, but an ongoing illness. But I really feel like your podcast is good for parents in general because you have such a calming presence and you suggest so many great tips on how to reduce stress and anxiety and just take care of yourself. And honestly, I just think it's something that parents and moms need to hear in general. So I'm going to be recommending your podcast to to my friends who... Thanks, Katie. I appreciate that. I so think they do too. The topics that I cover there have to do with stress and anxiety, but also I try to cover some... I try to keep it always positive. So playfulness as a caregiver, celebrating as a caregiver. I've got, I think, pretty fabulous guests that come on. Noah has even been my guest when we talked about celebrations in your caregiving life because we spent so much time looking for the joy in everything. Again, it's the blessing in the mess. Mm -hmm. And you know, the long view on this, Noah, when Noah was diagnosed, I was 44. I'm 60 now. Mm -hmm. Noah was a little boy. He's a man now. The long view on all of it it really changes your perspective. You can get so caught up in the tension of breakfast, just what is breakfast doing that you can lose the bigger picture. And I hope that the podcast really helps to encourage people to think about the relationship that is at the base of it all that is so important. And also from where I come from, the fact that there's a faith element there, that God is in it all from where Mm -hmm. I come from, and that prayer is really important and leaning in when things are hard is really important and can bring you such tremendous peace. Mm -hmm. And that's really my story. And that's the reason that we're blessed in this mess and we're not just losing our minds. And again, it's the long view. When Mm -hmm. Noah was first diagnosed, even though I was a pretty faithful person, for the first year, I, I, I really didn't think a lot about I, I wondered where God was in the whole thing. I was mm-hmm. like, don't you see this? Don't you understand? He, this isn't fair. This is. And about a year in, it struck me. I don't know I, whether it was through prayer or what it was that, you know what? God knows this. Mm-hmm. God is fully engaged in this. God made Noah the way that he is, made me the mom that I am. And, you know, when I married my husband, there was autoimmune in his family. It was not discussed. There mm-hmm. were grandpas and uncles with type one. It was not discussed. And I was uniquely qualified to support him because I had type two mm-hmm. in the, my family. I'd seen the downsides and I am an encourager by nature. Mm-hmm. I am just an encourager by nature. And my mom was the same way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to be Noah's mom, I feel like I was uniquely qualified. And about a year in, I was like, you know what? I'm fairly good at this. I have great communication skills. I'm pretty good at advocacy. And I love him so much. And I am an encourager. And then I began to say, what else can I do in the diabetes world to support people? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so much of my background I have spent in leadership, in advocacy in the diabetes world. And mm-hmm. then the podcast just became like a natural outflow of all that I've learned in advocacy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I really, I, I want to say thank you. I, I really enjoy the faith element of your podcast too, which, you know, my podcast is definitely not classified as a faith-based podcast by no means, but, you know, I'm a person of faith too. I have a very strong faith, grew up in the church, still go to church pretty much every Sunday if we're in town with my family. And I can say without question that, you know, God was really probably the only thing getting me through in the beginning of that diagnosis. And you actually quoted it in one of your podcasts the other day, the Bible verse of come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because my burden is light. And what what's the rest of it? I, I'm- yeah, take, that's my mom's favorite verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's in Matthew. Matthew's favorite yeah. verse. Yeah. My, yeah. Yeah. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke yeah. is easy and my burden is light, which I feel like yeah. that's that's the part of the verse that people don't quote a lot. But I love it because, you know, it, it helps me to find rest in my faith. And rest doesn't mean that I'm going to be at the spa or taking a vacation. It, you know, right. the, when it says put my yoke upon you, like that implies you're going to be doing some work. Like you're, yes. you put a yoke on when you're plowing a field, like on a, yes. on an animal, right? So it, it doesn't mean you're not going to be working and you're going to be working very hard. But with, when you're attached to your faith, it makes that burden seem a lot lighter. And yeah, there um, is that. They talk about that piece that passes understanding, Katie, and it's mm-hmm. definitely there. So, you know, again, I'm, 
I'm older now (laughs) and I have a little bit more of the long view. And I have also loved my mom through the end of her life. And I have seen how that goes. And Mm -hmm. I come from a family of kind of leave it all on the field. Mm -hmm. So we leave it all on the field. And so my thought was, I will share what I've learned and how important faith is in all of that. But Mm -hmm. along the way, I will also share what I've learned by supporting other families with type one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I lead the Central Illinois Type One Support Group, Mm -hmm. which as of this morning is 514 strong on Facebook. We added a couple more people this morning. I have a group of mom administrators that work there with me to, you know, approve people after they answer the questions. We are pretty much a regional resource for Mm -hmm. families living with type one. And -hmm. again, this comes out of my involvement in leadership with actually the American Diabetes Association. In Mm -hmm. central Illinois, I was chair of the community leadership board for a large swath of Illinois. So when you get south of Chicago and north of St. Louis and to either side of the state, The Central Illinois group was very, very involved until they weren't, until the ADA kind of pulled an office out of Central Illinois. And so we had begun doing family connections in a really powerful way, had started a Facebook page, and I was given administration for that Facebook page Hmm. in 2015 or 2016. And I, I took it on because I just couldn't imagine families not having those connections. And then there was the pandemic and it Uh became just about the only way to connect, right? Yes. We've got all these newly diagnosed families and they are looking for support and encouragement. And I'm really proud of that page because it's super positive. I try to interject like the most recent changes in technology that bring us so much hope. We There's a lot of posting about positive things that our kids are doing. There's also some venting and some asking, what do I do about this and that situation or, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But it has just been, I think, a real lifeline for families in central Illinois. So my heart is in that kind of encouragement and Mm -hmm. that kind of connecting. And the podcast is like a natural outflow of all that I've learned over time working Mm -hmm. with that group. And I also sit on the Illinois Prairie Diabetes Alliance. I represent the type one community there which is a real honor. And again, that is practitioners and clinicians. And what does Lori spend her time doing? She spends a lot of her time saying, when are we going to talk about the mental health part of this? Mm-hmm. In all of your offices, I hope you're, you're talking about the practical sides of making diabetes work for families mm-hmm. and raising healthy kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, who are whole in every possible way. And mm-hmm. that is, again, it's the long view. Yes, yes. And yeah. we are going to talk a little bit about the mental health aspect today on this show. We're gonna, the topic for today is self-care, which you talk a great deal about on your podcast. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it already, but I will, for sh- I will definitely be leaving a link in the show notes to where people can find your podcast. Again, it's called Blessed in This Mess. But I originally connected with you officially when I, I did a post on self-care on Instagram. And I was asking people what they did for self-care as a T1D caregiver. And I got a you know a lot of great responses, but you responded and you said that self-care is where it's at for short-term sanity and long-term wellness. So not only short-term, but long-term, long view as well. So I'm just curious, how would you define self-care? Well, I have learned over the time, actually since the pandemic, since I have studied this all a little bit more prior to launching the podcast, there is a term called life-giving, a, a, a descriptor called life-giving. In my mind, self-care are the activities you participate in that are life-giving, not life-draining, right? Mm. So much of what we do in the land of type one is life-draining. Just feels like it sucks the life right out of you. You're up all day and you're often up several times in the night. You're, you've got that cortisol going all the time, that adrenaline going all the time. Mm-hmm. So the activities that you participate in that help you to calm, usually I talk also about a wellness wheel and I have a simple one that is a part of several of my podcasts that just has six elements to it. But to me, self-care has got to do with being spiritually whole and emotionally whole and physically whole. 
Mm-hmm. So the the activities that are life-giving to you that help your emotions and your spirit and your physicality, those are that self-care to me. Yeah. And I, I love how you suggest things on the podcast that are really very simple to do. Cause I'm sure some people listening are already overwhelmed. Like, well, I don't have the time to do any of that <laughs> mm-hmm. because I know that some days I feel that way too. But a lot of the things that you suggest are just very practical, very simple literally do take almost no time at all. And and I love that because I really feel like our society has latched on to this idea of like self-care is you've got to take an entire day for yourself and, you know, go on a, or go on a little mini getaway with friends or, you know, day at the spa mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But it's most of us do not have the financial means to do that and right. or the time, you know, especially if you're the caregiver of, a, of somebody with a chronic illness. I just, I, do you have any words of wisdom for people that c- might need to sh- kind of shift their mindset from thinking of self-care in that way to maybe thinking of self-care in another way to make it seem more realistic and doable? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, when I began recording, I had to think about the profile of my moms. What were my moms thinking, feeling? What were their days like? And I tell you right now, I keep the podcast relatively short and I keep my suggestions super simple. Because in the days when Noah was living at home, I was so sleep deprived. This is days before CGMs, okay? I'm up in the night a time or two, and it's happening every night. So you have that chronic fatigue happening Mm -hmm. all the time. So I try to keep things super simple. I try to enumerate things, and I try to keep it under the number five, just because your capacity when you're so tired. Mm -hmm. So, And I definitely, my message is little tiny things done each day make a huge difference in the long run. Mm -hmm. So no, you're not always going to have your toes in the sand and a margarita in front of your hand, you know, on a beach somewhere. It's the little things. It really is the little things practiced over time. And if you ask me, Katie, the more strange you are, the more you need to say, I go back to the things I've always done that keep me sane. Mm -hmm. So I think those little things over time it makes a huge difference. And what's so important about that is you're doing it for you, but the person you're loving on is watching you. Mm -hmm. And the person you're loving on is learning from your example. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're living, you know, our son living with this chronic condition also understands that it's a lot about the little things Mm -hmm. that you do each day. And music has been the thing that lightens his soul has always been. He produces music also, but music is is very prominently featured in and around our house. And it's it's one of the little things we do. If you if you've never done a dance break in the kitchen, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's just so good for your soul. And mm. so I would really encourage moms not to be discouraged thinking they can't make it to the spa or they can't make it to the, the, the islands, but just to think about what are the little things in my day that would allow me some chill and some mm-hmm. downtime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know just this morning I was sharing with Lori before we started recording that, you know, got every husband's out of town today for work, out, out of town for a couple of days. Kids got everybody off to school. That That's that's stressful enough in and of itself. Then we had somebody, we had people delivering a new refrigerator to our house because our old one died. Turns out the refrigerator is too big to fit through any of the doors that lead to our kitchen, even when you take all the doors off of the refrigerator. So now we have this refrigerator sitting in the middle, like dismantled, sitting in the middle of our living room that my husband's going to have to take the trim off our walls to our door frames to fit through. Anyway, I was just feeling stressed and I had about an hour and a half before we were going to get on and record. And of course, there's a giant pile of laundry I could fold. I could start getting dinner stuff ready for tonight. You know, there's a million things I could have done, but I knew, like I've learned now that I could tell I needed to take a minute for myself. So I went for a walk. It's a beautiful day. And I just took 45 minutes and I went for a nice brisk walk and I came home and I lit a candle because that was one of the ideas I got from your podcast, lighting a candle. I love candles. My husband makes fun of me for the amount of candles that I purchase. I'm with Um, you. Yeah. I mean, it's like a candle a week over here, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've never thought of lighting a candle as self-care, but that's something that I love and it's something that brings me joy and it it makes my house smell good. And and so, yeah, I just took a minute and all the other stuff will be here later. Absolutely. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Yep. And moms, your your life is just like that. Moms' lives are like that, whether you have a child with a chronic illness or not. And mm-hmm. then you add the chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you feel as though there is no place to hide. <laughs> you know, I have just got so many stressors going on and there's no place to hide. And you know, Katie, regardless of personality type, I have found that to be like a universal feeling for moms caring for kids with type one. Mm-hmm. Like it's just too much all the time. Mm-hmm. And again, 16 years in, I I would have told my 40-something-year-old self, you need to calm it down a little. What are you going to do today for yourself, even if it's for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge advocate of 10-minute walks. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate of sitting and thinking to yourself, well, every hour or on the half hour, I'm going to do some deep breathing. It's amazing what good that does for your body. I have mm-hmm. learned so much about all these things over time. Yeah. Yeah. You guys really need to check out the po- I've only listened. You probably have about 20 or so episodes out now. I and do. I've only listened to the first six or seven, but they've all been great. And you've, I loved what I've learned so far about the deep breathing. I actually downloaded the Abide app that you recommend that has like a oh. two-minute meditation with deep breathing that you can do every morning. I've been doing that for the past four days. I'm like, this is great. I'm learning so much. And I had to, I wanted to tell you this because I just thought it was funny. I went to, um, I'm a physical therapist and I went to a continuing education course recently called Core Strength and Stability. So obviously I go in thinking we're going to learn all about how to strengthen, you know, the core muscles in a new way, you know, a good refresher from when I was in school all those many years ago. And I go into the class and I'm not even kidding. The entire eight hour course was on breathing. Really? Oh, (laughs) wow. Okay. And how to breathe properly and how to utilize your diaphragm in the right way and that your diaphragm and your hamstrings combined can actually create like a, tra- uh, a traction machine within your body and relieve some pressure mm-hmm. on your lower back. And it was it was amazing. And I was just, you know, I was laughing to myself listening to your podcast because I'm like, here it is again, the breathing. Yeah, there you go. Belly breathing. That's, that's, the, that's the answer to all of our problems is that we it just It is amazing. It's amazing to me, Katie, what breathing does to calm your parasympathetic nervous system. See, all these things I did not know. Mm -hmm. I remember in the early days of type 1, the doctor having some conversation, the pediatrician with Noah and I about him being calm. He's a pretty calm dude anyway. But going through some basic breathing exercises, I have learned so much more about breathing since then. And it is an absolute, it's my secret sauce. When mom was dying, she passed away in July of 2021, and things were so hard in hospice. Mm-hmm. You would have thought I could not sleep in the night, but if I woke in the night, and I would have done this with Noah in the house as a smaller child, if I could not get back to sleep, I would have done my breathing, and it works like a charm. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So that's why I, you you see me having breathing experts on the podcast, because it's amazing to me how how healing that is mm-hmm. and how calming that is. Yeah. And breathing, there's actually been studies done, and I can't quote any of the resources that these things come from, but I've I've learned about it in a lot of the continuing education courses that I've done that there's a huge link between like Alzheimer's and dementia and how we breathe and if there's breathing restrictions. And and so it's very important, everybody. Learn how to breathe properly. (laughs) Yeah. And also in the podcast, in the episode on breathing, we also have some exercises for kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's super important. I don't know about your daughter, but when Noah was in school and still today, if he is got a pretty good amount of adrenaline going prior mm-hmm. to something that's stressful, like mm-hmm. a high stakes exam or a performance, it is so helpful for him to breathe to keep mm-hmm. his blood sugar down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of amazing how that works. Yeah. And I find that it's a good way, you know, let's see, like, you know, a lot of times as a parent, when your kid is kind of freaking out, it's tempting to say something like, you just need to calm down, you know, well, that's not helpful to anybody. And I hate when people say that to me, but I've found that say, okay, let's take a deep breath, you know, which is basically the same thing as saying we need to calm down, you know, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's doing it in more of a a way that's like here, I'm suggesting something that might actually help you calm down rather than, yeah, yeah, rather than just saying, you need to calm down. Actually, Sarah had to do a finger prick on her own the other night because I was out and there was a pod fail. And I just was like, I need you to do this. I'm sorry. I'm not there to help you with it. She hates to do them on her own. Mm-hmm. And and she was on the phone and she was, mommy, I don't really don't want to. And yeah. the only person at home with her was her brother at the time. And I'm like, he's not gonna be helping her. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she was, she was panicking on the phone. And I said, sweetheart, I know 
that you don't like to do this on your own. I know. And, and I need you to take a deep breath because I need you to do this. And I know you can. And I, and I have faith in you. But take a few big, deep breaths. And then we're, I'll stay on the phone with you while you do it. And she was able to do it. So I feel mm-hmm. like it is a good tool to kind of refocus and calm down. And Absolutely. And what I love about that example, Katie, is, again, in the long view, her memory is mom is right there with me in this. Mm-hmm. She's right there with me in this. You are doing so much for that relationship. There's a lot of trust there. And I think you can make it through almost any challenge, any challenge in the land of type one, if there is trust between you and your child as they grow. And mm-hmm. if and if you are listening to them to understand them mm-hmm. and then to give them a plan, the tips, the tricks, the tools, and walking right through them with through through it with them. And then assessing, how did that go? How did that work for us? You know what? That worked really well. We'll have to remember that's in our toolbox now. We'll use that one again. Mm-hmm. When you when you empower your kids that way, it is powerful for the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. I'm glad, mm-hmm. glad, it, I'm glad it came to mind when we were on yeah. the phone. So I'm curious, you've already mentioned a few, but I'm curious to know if there's any other ways that you practice self-care daily, or maybe if you're going through a really stressful situation, I'll I'll jump in when you're done and share some some things that I do as well that might be helpful helpful to listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do spend quiet time each morning, even if I have to get up earlier than the fray. Mm-hmm. I do spend quiet time, and I love that Abide app and that three minute devotion and quiet time is absolutely free. Oh, and there are also other other applications of Abide that like will take you through the nighttime. Mm-hmm. that you can also link to. I get their email each day that connects me to that app or to that that meditation time. And then I can avail myself of some of the longer meditations too. And they are also free. I think that's wonderful. But the point is quiet time in the morning, I think kind of like sets you for the whole day. Mm-hmm. So whether that's with your favorite book that is a calm and peaceful book, whether that is taking a walk around the block, whether that is a little bit of time with, you know, your your tea and some music, you know, whatever it is, I think it's huge to start your day kind of grounded. And mm-hmm. I do the Abide app and then I do a couple of meditation or a couple of devotions. Mm-hmm. And that usually takes me maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes, not very long, but it really does, I think, set your day to be peaceful. I think it's great self-care. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also a huge advocate. I love it that you were out this morning walking. I am definitely going to get out in central Illinois where I live. It is gorgeous today. The the mm-hmm. leaves are just incredible. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely be out there walking. I'm I think that who they say motion is lotion. I just think it's good for all of you, all of your body, your mind, body, mind and spirit. And mm-hmm. I am a big advocate not necessarily of always going hard in the gym, although sometimes that's possible, but I am a big advocate of just moving your body. Mm-hmm. And so if that means parking away from the door at the grocery store or on your way into Target, get some extra steps in that way. Taking the steps in a in a larger building, get that get it done that way. So I'm all about moving your body. As I'm aging, I'm also more about stretching it too. Mm-hmm. So I do almost all my stretching, all of my strength stuff. I have some weights in my basement. And I have some, you know, things I've learned work over time, routines that work over time. But I just really, I just really keep it simple. Your tennis shoes are inexpensive. You can walk almost anywhere. If it's, if it's nasty outside, then you can go to the mall and walk or someplace, go to Target and walk. I, I think that is tremendous for your body, mind, and spirit. That a release of those endorphins. Mm-hmm. So, so important. And yep. then relationships, so mm-hmm. important. So I we talked a little bit about the relationship with your your child or your spouse or whatever living with type one, but also that concept, remember that concept of phoning a friend, mm-hmm. phoning a friend for the answer. I think it's so important to keep in touch with your friends. Mm-hmm. Now, you have friends in the type one world who understand what you're going through, but you probably also have friends in your neighborhood or from your childhood and not to lose those connections. I think when you're kids are smaller, it's much harder to keep them. Mm -hmm. But if you have a person or two or a sibling, I have Mm -hmm. a sister who's fabulous to talk to. 
I think it's important sometimes as a piece of self-care to get out of your own head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get out of your own head because you can be sitting and sizzling in your own juices over what's going on in your world. And, you know, to call someone and to just share your lives with each other and then to learn about what's going on with them is life-giving, in my view, for both of you. Mm -hmm. It is life-giving because then you are focusing on something else. You are being their listening person and they are being your listening person. And I think that is so critical for self-care. Yep. Yeah, I've learned to never say no. I mean, within reason, obviously, there's some times where I have to say no, like if one of my kids is really sick or something. But I've learned to never say no to a friend who you know, ask me if I want to go get coffee or go out to lunch or meet for dinner sometime. Or if I already have plans with somebody, I've learned, you know, do whatever you can to keep it. You know, it's sometimes it's tempting to reschedule, but it's just so life-giving to, like you said, just meet with somebody else, chat about something that's not your life necessarily, or chat about your life and vent a little bit to them. It's just always yes. refreshing and life-giving to to do that with a friend. And mm-hmm. I find that even on days where I'm tempted to cancel and reschedule because I feel like I have so much to do that it's it's more helpful for me to go and spend time with a friend. And it just re-energizes me in a new way and gives me more energy to, to get the things done that I needed to do in the first place. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is some that it is very life-giving. And you know, I've learned another phrase beyond life-giving that I think has value. And that is interacting with someone who listens to understand you, not always to respond to you Mm -hmm. and not always to respond to you. And they can't necessarily fix what you've got going on, but they can at least let you share it and ask you questions that help you clarify it in your own head. Mm -hmm. So that sometimes those friends are just really helping you focus in on what's really bothering me about this. Or what is really the issue here? Or as I talk it through with you, you know what? I think I do need to talk to the principal at the school. Mm -hmm. You know, that person who will listen to understand is a beautiful gift and a blessing in all of this. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for all those those great practical ideas on, you know, ways that you practice self-care. And hopefully listeners are taking away some good nuggets on things that they can do too. I know for me, you know, again, I've already said movement is huge for me. I mean, exercise is truly an antidepressant for sure. I mean, it has so many benefits, but one of them is, I mean, it does the same thing to your brain that that those medications do. And so it's just a natural mood booster and an anxiety reducer and definitely encourage anybody to, and just like you said, it does not have to be going to the gym and torturing yourself through some sort of CrossFit situation. Just go out for a walk. Or sometimes I get in when it's warm enough, and I live in Florida, so it's warm enough a lot. But I'll get in my pool and I'll just tread water for a little while. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just something easy to do that's not costing me any more money than what I'm already spending to maintain my pool. Absolutely. And, you know, I love it when we can mix the things that we love to do. Like, think about the things you like to do as a kid when you were playing. You probably love to spend time in the pool. Mm-hmm. You know, people who who enjoyed any kind of sport, that movement of the body makes perfect sense. But I think about weather in Illinois is going to change soon, and we're going to need to be inside a whole lot more. And, you know, one of the things that all of our family did, I know it sounds crazy, but when the weather was super bad, it's snowy, you can't go outside, you don't want to, you don't want to play in the snow, it's too cold. We spent a lot of time when Noah was smaller playing balloon volleyball in the house. Okay. It was a riot. It was yeah. absolutely a riot. And even mom and dad, you know, you know, the boys eventually had the advantage of having these great long arms and they could, you know, get a balloon anywhere. But over the couch in one of our, you know, in our family room, we would play balloon volleyball. We would move the breakables and keep it within a confined space. In the wintertime, it was so much fun. And every one of us, my husband and I too, did a lot of play with balls when we were kids with mm-hmm. beach balls and volleyballs and softballs. And so, and, you know, my husband coached the boys through a lot of things. It was just something they loved to do. So, yeah. you know, think of the things that feel like play mm-hmm. and spend a little time there. It is so good for your soul and your spirit. 
Yeah, we actually, we've done that before with the balloon or who can keep it up in the air the longest or whatever. But we <laughs> have you seen those little plush snowballs that they sell at like Target in the wintertime? They're usually no. in like the dollar or $3 bin or whatever. They're very, very soft. It's it's basically like a giant cotton ball, but they, they market them as snowballs, which okay. in Florida we're like, oh my gosh, snowballs, we don't have those. Yeah. So we bought, we have several of them and they disappear every year because our dog eats them and kid, kids throw them outside and they get lost or whatever. But we have, get, we have snowball fights in the living room and it doesn't matter what they hit. They don't break anything because they're very lightweight and, and that's, that's a lot of fun. We like to yeah, do that. Absolutely. We play, we play hide and go seek a lot actually, which is hilarious to me that my middle schooler still wants to play hide and go seek. But you know, fun things as a family is a good fun, fun free things as a family is a good way to unwind. And a lot of Again, a lot of nights I feel very tired. I'm like, I don't want to play hide and go seek. Yeah. But every time I do, I'm we always end up having fun and it's funny and and mm-hmm. I'm always grateful that I participated. <laughs> yep. Good for body, mind, and spirit. And if you think about the things that allow you to play, there mm-hmm. isn't too much stressful about play. You know, mm-hmm. when when your friends knocked on your door as a kid and said, Can you come out and play? You never thought, oh gosh, this is gonna make me so anxious. <laughs> Yeah. All you thought was, gosh, how do I get everything done so I can get out there and play? And, right. and I just really believe we de- need to do more play. That's why I did an episode on play mm-hmm. you know, for the mm-hmm. podcast, because I think it is life-giving to, mm-hmm. as an adult, especially when your life feels like it is jam-packed and there's plenty of stressors, it is life-giving mm-hmm. to play. I agree. I agree. And this necessarily might not qualify as play, but my this isn't something that I actively seek out to do for self-care, but every time I do it with my kids, I'm like, wow, I feel so relaxed. But coloring, which I know those yes. coloring books are all the rage now, which help you focus and calm down. And and But I, I didn't really connect the two until I heard somebody speak recently that like, Apparently, the stress part, the brain, the part of your brain that stresses out or, and worries, and then the part of your brain, maybe you said this, I don't know where I heard it, but the part of your brain that does art, they're, they're totally separate. And when one's activated or when the art side is activated, the creative side, you, the other side, the worry side can't be activated or, or can't be activated very much. So that's very calming. Yeah. My kids like to still like to color some and do those how to draw lessons on YouTube. And that's always very calming. Something diabetes related that I do, and I've shared this on social media before, but I always allow myself one day a week packing lunches to only put things in the lunchbox that have and they're, that are basically processed foods. Like they're already prepackaged and they have the carb count on it. So mm-hmm. I don't have to think about how many carbs. Yep. I don't have to weigh and measure and count mm-hmm. out things. I can just throw it in the lunchbox and it's done for the day. Cut so- yourself some slack there. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a great idea, Katie. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And some weeks are super stressful and I allow myself two days to do that. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Not the healthiest choices, but it's good for my soul and my mental health. So we- yeah, yeah, I have noticed on your on your podcast too that you have talked about the fact that you don't do a lot of denying your daughter things. You mm-hmm. you just say we're going to figure out the plan and we're going to make this work. And again, in the long view, that is not necessarily a self care thing. Except I think in the long view, it's better for your child and it's better for you too, because then you're teaching more real world skills. This is how we make it work. Because mm-hmm. there comes a day where when they are in college and they are outside your house where the, all that is available to them is pizza and, you know, what is what is sitting on a buffet and they've got to figure out how to make it work and know they're going to be okay. And right. I think there's a huge head game too around denial of things. Mm-hmm. And so when we, we make our life about keeping things so strict and so... Uh, creating so much strain and so many rules around everything, I think the natural human inclination is to want to resist and rebel. Mm -hmm. And again, in the long view, we never saw any of that with Noah. And I think part of the, the secret sauce there was learning to say everything in moderation, buddy, we're going to figure out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. And I think that works for caregivers too, around self-care. Everything in moderation. Yeah, Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. One other thing that I wanted to mention, which I'm always hesitant to mention because I feel like the diabetes police is going to come out and arrest me. But I mentioned it once on social media and I was shocked at how many people commented that they do the same thing. And I guess I just nobody nobody talks about it. But some days when I'm real tired at night, I will turn off my daughter's CGM high alarm, which, you know, we've we've gotten nights to a point now where she's not going up into the 200s in 300s 
very often at all. I mean, that might be Mm -hmm. once or twice a month at, at most during the middle of the night. But you know, some nights I'm like, I don't even want to have to have that thought in the back of my head that I might have to wake up for that. And so I'll just, I'm, obviously I'm not going to turn off the low alarm because that can be an emergency, but I'll turn off the high alarm. It just gives me a little bit more peace of mind to let my brain rest and, and declutter a little bit from all the diabetes things I have right. to think about. So I can understand that again, in the long view, mm-hmm. what I have learned is that constant state of fight or flight, that mm-hmm. constant cortisol, that constant adrenaline leads to things like high blood pressure mm-hmm. and also that high bre- blood pressure then can wear on your entire vascular system. Mm-hmm. So in you know where I come from I I did keep the weight off after high school. I was thinner after I left my family's my mom's great cooking and went on to adult life and I've kept my weight down. I do eat very healthily. We always did even before Noah was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Again, everything in moderation, but a lot of whole fruits and vegetables, a lot of water, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. what I learned as I aged was the strain of caring for someone over a period of time, along with the lack of sleep, is a formula that equals something like smoking. Mm. So when I saw a cardiologist, he said to me, well, your all your blood work is great and your weight is great, but you know what? You've been under so much stress and you've lost so much sleep that that's equivalent to years of smoking. Mm-hmm. And he said to you, turned to me and said, so how long have you been smoking? And I said, about 15 years. <laughs> and so even despite the fact that I look very healthy and all my blood work and everything is great, I'm not really taking any meds. My cardiology wants to see me every two, two to three years to just be sure that my heart and my vascular system is holding up under the strain. Mm-hmm. Again, Katie, messages to my younger self. Mm-hmm. Calm yep. down. Yep. Calm down. Take care of yourself. Something little every day. Try to keep your weight in normal range and mm-hmm. and do the things that are life-giving for you each day, even if it's just one or two things. Even mm-hmm. if it's just a 10-minute walk, get mm-hmm. it in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I feel like you've given listeners so many great ideas how to care for themselves, little things we can do each and every day to kind of re-energize and, and take the stress stress level down a few notches. So I greatly appreciate it. Is there anything else you feel like the listeners would benefit from hearing or you want them to know about self-care and just wellness in general for the T1D caregiver? Sure. And again, thank you so much for having me on today, Katie. It's absolutely my delight to be here and to talk with you. I think the one of the most important things, I have a few I'd like to share, okay. is I so often see that caregivers don't make or keep their own doctor's appointments. Mm. Wow, that's huge. They will do anything it takes to get their child in, anything it takes to get their child in for that one o'clock on Friday, but they will cancel their own as soon as there's a conflict. And so whatever you got to do to get in there to the doctor, please do it. And when you get in there, please be honest, because your long-term health is so important so that when your type one gets to be 24, you can actively participate in the in the in his or her life. You know, you're still around for those grandkids that are going to come eventually in all likelihood. So, please make and keep your doctor's appointments. The other thing I would say is the thing I say most often when I close with any caregiver group and that is the work you do is amazing. You go to bed each night and think to yourself, nobody really understands what I'm dealing with in the day. Nobody understands the juggle. There are some that do find those people, interact with those people. They are also your lifeline, whether they're online or in person. Find someone who will listen to understand, not always to respond. And Mm -hmm. please keep it simple. Don't make this harder on yourself too. You don't need any additional strain. You can do this. Mm -hmm. You can do this. And you're going to be okay. And your child is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Take the long view and lean in. Lean in. That's what I am doing too. I'm leaning in. If you have are not part of a faith practice, consider it. Mm-hmm. Consider it because yeah. there is peace to be found there. Yes. I know that there's many days where I feel like nobody gets it or understands, but I, I have my faith there with me. And even if I feel like nobody else does, I know, I know God does. And that gives me a lot of peace and a lot of hope and 
and joy too, that he sees me and knows what I'm going through and is there to comfort me and help me and whatnot. So yeah, I, and I, this is one of my favorite stories that I like to tell about people that don't have a faith element in their life and don't really want to be part of a faith element, but maybe need support in some way, shape or form. At a church we went to in Virginia, there was a girl, very young mom that had four kids and she would always come to our Sunday school class without her husband because he was he was a police officer. So a lot of times he had to work overnight and wasn't there to help her on Sunday mornings and was just worked weird hours. So she was doing a lot of life on her own with these four kids and she would come very faithfully every week. She would sit there and listen to everybody talk and she I mean pretty much never said a word. Months went by and she just came and sat and listened and smiled and nodded. And finally, after maybe, I don't even know, four or five, six months, she she piped up and she's like, hey, you know, I got to say, I, I'm just going to be real honest. The only reason I came to church in the first place into this group is because I just really needed somebody to take care of my kids for a couple hours. Wow. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah. She's like, I, I just really needed somebody to take care of my kids for a couple hours because I needed a mm-hmm. break desperately. Mm-hmm. And that's the only reason that I came. But I got to say that I've really, really enjoyed it. And I love getting yeah. to know you guys. And I've loved learning about your faith and and mm-hmm. just, you know, becoming friends with you. So, you know, there's support to be had there, even if you feel like it's not your thing. So absolutely. And that focus on gratitude is mm-hmm. absolutely life-giving. It's It mm-hmm. can pervade your entire family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lori, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. Speaking of gratitude, I'm so grateful for you and the time you took out of your day to come and chat with me and just your awesome podcast and just the work you're doing for the the type one community and just the caregiver community in general. So thank you. Well, Katie, thank you so much for having me. Your work is a blessing to so many, and I just encourage you to keep it up. You are just shining the light in such impressive ways, and it is helping all of us. No, thank you so much. Thank you. You have a fabulous day. Thanks so much, Katie. You too. That is it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. Lori, thank you again for coming on and speaking to me. I know this is a topic that is so important to parents of children living with type 1 diabetes, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with me. Remember, guys, take a look at those show notes. Find the links to where you can find and support Lori and her podcast. Her podcast is so great. It's so calming and fun and just perfect for anyone who is caring for a child or a parent or a loved one who's dealing with a chronic medical condition. All right. Have a fabulous week. I will chat with you soon. But until then, stay calm and bolus on. Bye.